Welcome to the Operate Intelligently podcast, the podcast for all things operations. Hello, Operate Intelligently listeners. This is Joshua Peach, your host here today, and I am really honored and excited to share with you a couple of actual dude team members. We're going to talk about a number of things here, uh, really focused around innovation and most importantly, the importance of our clients, not just for the solutions that we provide, but for the influence that they give in making a difference for all of our clients with helping us uh, build and grow. So I've got Kyle, Braden, and Sarmad with me, and I'm going to ask, uh, as, the, as the tile goes, like the Brady Bunch here, I'm going to start with Kyle and uh, welcome you, Kyle, first and foremost, to the Operate Intelligently podcast. Thanks for having us, Josh. I can give you some, some background on me if that's helpful. That's, uh, listen, Is that I, where you're I, gonna go I, I'd love to, yeah, <laughs> no, you, I mean, you're, you're, I, I'm going to give you my mic and just let you take it, so go right ahead, yeah, absolutely. Um, I've been with the dude for uh, five years, over five years. Um, I've been in the industry, in the healthcare space, I'm the director of uh, product management for healthcare, and I've been in the healthcare space for 20 years. Um, I was part of a different firm that the dude acquired back in 2015 uh, as part of their first acquisition in the healthcare space. Um, and that's uh, where I work with Sarban Brin. Yeah, and that's uh, that's WorkHub, and correct. Uh, you're you're up in Canada, uh, so we are uh, fully international. We started five years ago with uh, with this acquisition and an amazing team, and uh, glad to have you here and and sticking with the dude. Uh, and and this is your first podcast, correct? Correct. Oh, I love I love these. It's like <laughs> it's like hazing all over again. Yeah, yeah. So I'm so ready for you. Braden, welcome, my friend. Uh, you've got a you've got an interesting story of how you got here. So please share a little bit. And I feel like you're right down the street. I should have just come over and had coffee, and we could have done this uh, socially. <laughs> it, would have been, it would have been great. I'm always I'm always I'm always up for uh, for company. Yep. Uh, my name's Braden Witt. I've been with the dude almost a year, which seems super crazy to even think about. I was a client before coming to join the dude. So I've actually been on two of the two of the dude products. So starting out on Facility Dude, then transitioning over to the Works Hub was a Works Hub client for a couple years. Uh, last year, dude, you got to know Kyle more, uh, and then I found myself working here one day. Um, so making that transition from being a uh, facilities professional out in the world of healthcare to now product managing here uh, on the Works Hub, uh, and now here on this fine podcast. So it's a it's nice to be on this kind of a podcast and not a murder mystery podcast. Yeah. Uh, so I guess I'm doing something right with life. You, you are. And, you know, one of the interesting things, uh, Braden, is, you know, I often tell people in the uh, facility profession, um, don't make yourself an island because typically you're, you're in that yeah. facility and you don't really get outside of that and you don't get to network a lot. And that's where our solutions really, because they're cloud-based, allows people to, to, to get together with each other and benchmark and compare. But you literally were on an island when you were a client. Right, you were I literally, the- literally was working on, on Martha's Vineyard off the coast of Massachusetts, so it was yeah. literally on an island. Yeah, so you were, you were the, you were the one I couldn't give that analogy to because it was actually <laughs> legit. So, and I got to tell you, the, the the happiest guy of the bunch here, Sarmad, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> hey guys, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, so I started working at the dude three years ago, around three years ago. Um, before that, I was working as a software engineer. I come on from an 
engineering background. I did engineering in school. So I was more on the technical side of things. Yeah, I, I was working that area for around two years and then I switched over to product management. And it's been awesome. It's been cool working with Kyle and Baden on the workshop and I really enjoy it every day and it's a great experience. So. Welcome. I expect a lot of laughs from you, my friend, because no problem. I yes, got you. <laughs> you got my back with the last. Let's really dumb this down for me. Uh, maybe a listener. I don't know, but definitely for me. What is product management? Like, what is what does that entail? What do you guys cover? What's a typical day look like for you uh, as a product manager? <laughs> Oh, geez. What a question. It's like being a firefighter, an EMT, a police officer, and the mayor of the town. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot yeah. of everything all at once every day. Yeah. You're, you're interacting with every department. I've seen some people call it the CEO of a product just without all the yeah. authority. Mm -hmm. um, so you're, you're definitely segueing between support, marketing, finance, engineering, um, you name it, you're, you're touching it. So it's, uh, it's one of those roles where you get to work with everybody. Yeah. Very cool. So, um, one of the things that I've always found interesting with dude, I'm in year 16 and, you know, we stopped when we started, we were, you know, a work order system and we always made a point to, uh, do enhancements every month. They were, it was, it was meant to get away from versions, right? A lot of, a mm -hmm. lot of folks, you guys are too young for this, but you know, when we started, I don't know, Josh, when we started, with the, <laughs> when we started with DOS and Windows 95 and put a disc in and version 2.0 came out and 3.0, you know, it, it really flipped the script on our users, right? So then when we got into the SaaS world and started, dude, it was like, this is really cool. We can build something and then build off of it. We don't have to yeah. reinvent the wheel or retool something completely and confuse our clients. And we, and we really built a model that did a lot of study and research and, and, and reaching out to our clients and then internally managing, what do we want to do? What do we want it to look like? And what's interesting is I think as the company's grown, the, the scope of what we can do and how we can do it and the people that are involved has grown. But I think a lot of that foundation of what, how, and why we do it is, is stayed intact, which is really cool. And, um, prior to us starting here, you shared something with me that I knew, I knew nothing about. And I purposely didn't ask, not nothing. I knew a little bit. Um, I purposely didn't ask much about it because I want it. I want to learn it as if it's the listener hearing about it for the first time. Uh, you talked about winning moves. Uh, what is that? How does it work? Walk me through that. I can start and give you some background. So historically we've called it winning moves. It's not always called that. It's part of a overall sort of portfolio planning exercise that we go through where we look at the market in a really holistic fashion. Um, but the winning moves portion are all of those, we usually start in Q2, looking for the next year and beyond, what are the big things that we should be working on that'll have a market impact? Um, and we do a basic, um, what we call t-shirt sizing. So t-shirt sizing is like estimating without much granularity. It's like, is it extra small, small, large, extra large. That's the sort of, um, and, and those come with like timing estimates and gives you an idea of scope. And then we do some rough back of the napkin, like revenue estimates, just to figure out what's, what's a really disruptive winning move, what's a, a safe bet, what's a losing move, all those sorts of things. Um, it's, a, it's a great exercise. It's very rigorous. It takes a lot of time. Um, yeah, I was going to say, how long is that whole 
exercise go for? Like, how long does it take? How much? I don't know, much? guys. How long have we been um, working on that? A month. Yeah, it never really ends. It yeah. Never ends. You know, yeah. Yeah. If if an idea is really good, it gets traction right away, and then suddenly you're working on it, and you mm -hmm. didn't expect it. You know, you, it was a word on a PowerPoint deck, and then it becomes a, a thing in your interviewing clients and, and talking to people. So uh, you can move pretty fast with some of those. And some things just take a lot more R&D, right? We're a, we're a reasonably sized company. Um, we have a ton of users. Really disruptive moves are, are hard without a lot of discipline. Mm -hmm. You know, if you, you can't just flip the script on, on your client base, kind of like what you said, right? Is you need to gradually implement new ideas. You can't just be like, ta-da, everything's, <laughs> everything's a chat bot. We're yeah. no more work request forms. Yeah. Um, like, it would be great to be able to do that, but you, you kind of sort of inch your way there. Mm -hmm. And another key part of that is uh, when you're product managing in those kinds of environments, you have like this great idea, comes the force of brutal prioritization uh, when you really have to like prioritize things and, and you find yourself putting one of like a great idea you've had and you know it'll work. Uh, and having to prioritize it with the team and everyone just kind of looking at that and when you have this like great idea and then the other person on the team's like, no, it's not worth the rank. Uh, and I think that's a hard product management is you try not to get too emotionally invested into an idea because you know it's going to go to the other two guys and they're going to knock you back down and be like, that's number 37 on the list now. <laughs> That's a great question. You know, one, how do you not get emotionally attached to your great idea? And how do you handle, like, you guys all get along great, right? So, or at least yeah. you seem like, seem like you do. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you don't, but I, you seem like you get along really well and you have great synergy. Like, how does that work with being like, yeah, you know what? That's a great idea. We're not going to do it. Um, how do you, how do you manage that? Cause I, I, I can't see myself not getting emotional. Like if I, if I, you know, in my history of seeing things and being like, wow, that that's lights out going to make a huge difference. I know it is. I think anyway, how do you guys handle that? I think we all kind of play like a key role. Like we each bring such a different skill that we have that trust in each other to know that like the other person's opinion is extra valuable always. So it's mm -hmm. always giving each other that space to represent the idea in our own unique ways uh, and giving each person kind of that space to be, always right or always wrong and not really trying to to get too volatile towards each other and always respecting that the opinion the other brings uh which i think is what makes especially with us all three being remote and I mean, we haven't all <laughs> seen each other since what february and so it's a lot of just trusting the other decision i think that's a big part of what makes our team work is that ability to let each other play the right role in that moment uh and step forward and either that leadership role or the supporting position or the cheerleader on the side and giving each other that space to really represent those roles. And I also think you gotta be a bit uh, open-minded. And so, like you said, since we're all comfortable with each other, we can take like, we can take opinions from each other. We value our opinions. Um, we really understand each other. And for example, if I bring, if I come up with an idea and that tells me like, this might not work because of this is this, then I understand that from his 20 years of experience in his, in his experience, and this idea might not work or might not be as valuable as other ideas. So I really respect, like Braden said, respect each other's opinions and really understand each other, um, give each other space. Um, yeah. 
and and believe me, there's like thousands of ideas that don't move forward, and they're this they're this massive weight where you're just like, I can't get this out of my head. And the nice thing about that is like, if you can't if it's such a good idea you can't get it out of your head, it'll be like this forever thinking exercise where you'll think it through and you'll cover through all the angles and you'll come up with an optimized version of it or you'll in your next conversation with a customer you'll float the idea you'll bounce it around with them you'll you'll settle on something that might be simpler mm -hmm. to accomplish the same goal um, so ideas that don't make it it doesn't mean that they'll never make it um, you might squeeze them in in a different way or tack them on to a different project um, you just got to keep those things in mind and sometimes it means keeping a big list of things. Um, so we have, um, and Sarmad and Braden can speak to this, we have this idea portal, right? Where every idea that comes in from customer interactions or from staff, um, support teams, marketing teams, sales teams, they put these ideas in a portal. Everyone can see them inside the company. We can vote on them. Anytime we hear it again, we vote, upvote it. Um, and things naturally pop to the top of the list over time. Um, and then you, you tend to realize what are the most important things out there uh, by leveraging the broader team that's interacting with customers all throughout the day. Yeah. Uh, but in that portal, I don't know, sorry, Matt, how many are in there? There's like 500 ideas, over 500 yeah. ideas. And we've, um, we've shipped over 150 of those ideas, I think, mm -hmm. uh, as far as I remember. Um, but we, yeah, we, we, we usually look at these ideas try and review them a bit, track them, uh, see what they're all about, maybe dig, dig into them a bit just to see the scope of it, um, sometimes involve engineering. Um, and then if, it, if it's a really good idea and if, if it's something that we want to do, we might involve our clients, talk to our, to, talk to our clients, see if, see if, it's, if it's something that's valuable to them, um, if, if we're doing the right thing. Um, asking the right questions. Um, but it's really, these ideas are really for our customers. So it's important to keep them involved. Um, it's not for us, it's to improve their workflows. Um, so it's these ideas when they get boarded and reviewed, um, we try to make the, make the best thing that works for our customers, make them easy to understand, simple. Um, and that's pretty much it. I think it was in 2006 or 2007, we used to have a listserv that had all sorts of stuff. It had Vendor Raider and all this stuff on it. And when we launched uh, solution suggestions and people could submit, submit a suggestion. It was publicly visible for, by, mm -hmm. by our clients and then they could vote on it. So they could determine, you know, the more votes it got, the, the higher up it got, it got for possibility. And we got inundated and then people would, you know, clients would actually call me and they'd be like, you know, why hasn't my, why hasn't my suggestion happened? And, it, you know, I kind of said, look, here's the idea. Technology has provided us uh, two, two very interesting challenges, unlimited suggestions and limited resources. <laughs> you know, we can think of just about anything. We could be Walt Disney when it comes to building our solutions. But the reality is uh, we will never have the time, the money, and the manpower to complete all of them. So that's the biggest challenge that I see that you guys yeah. have is like, how do we balance and measure and figure in like 500 um, and putting 150 out is phenomenal. I, I'm not sure what other people are doing. Um, so, so that's, that's one thing the, the, the thing that we did last week that kind of 
kind of springboarded this idea on this this pod this podcast is something that I think is really cool, uh, which is called the hackathon. And uh, you know, share how that goes. We had one. We had it what two weeks ago. Big success. I saw some, yep. some good results on that. So share share with uh, the audience that what that's all about. I can uh, let me start on this. So we have at, at Dude, there's a a team called the Innovation Team. So it's like a a, a nominated group of people who are going to uh, work on strategies to to I guess enhance innovation at the Dude. And one of the things that that we put together was a hackathon. And this is more of like a moment in time of innovation. It's not an ethos about innovation, but it's one thing to sort of jumpstart thing and get the juices flowing. So the hackathon is essentially this, anybody within the company can pitch an idea. Um, they put together their pitch, they present it in like five minutes. And after all the pitches are done, engineering and product can choose to work on that product. They sponsor it basically say, I'm going to work on this. Um, then they go to work for a couple days. So day job is canceled, work on the hackathon for a couple days. Um, and at the end of that, it's a presentation. Um, and everyone shows their results and we vote on it um, and you choose winners. And just because you didn't win doesn't mean your idea doesn't keep moving forward. Um, it really allows you to jumpstart projects, um, to think through problems that might be difficult and find an easier solution um, without the constraints of roadmap pressure and budgets and you know, I, I really need this resource, but he works over on that team. He's not part of my team. You can just all collaborate on, on something. It's, it's a really cool way to, to get stuff done Cool. and jumpstart things. How many of these, how many of the, how many hackathons have we had? I've, I know I've seen a couple of them. I have actually not made it to, I don't think I've made it to, I think I've made it to one. Um, but I know we've had a couple of them, right? Yeah, that, this was the first one that I participated in, um, but I know there's been a couple before and they all take different shapes. We're still learning how to execute on these. And um, I think the plan is to try and do them a couple times a year, if not quarterly, mm -hmm. um, just to make it more of a regular thing that we get to, to push some ideas forward. Because out of it came a, a ton of um, new concepts, um, changes to applications that'll have huge impacts for users as far as like productivity and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, it's, and it's a great way for different squads to intermingle and work on different projects when you might not together, uh, because there's a lot of like engineers and product will work on one product line, but not another. It's a good chance for, for people to sort of cross pollinate and get those ideas flowing. Very cool. One of the things, I think the, the last thing I'd like to talk about, and, and I have to apologize a bit for not knowing your world, uh, your vertical, um, but one of the things that just keeps coming up in this conversation is clients, clients, clients. And it's not just clients as a transaction, it's clients as, as interaction. Um, and it's clients as, as action, right? They're, they're providing us with, with the things we need to do to take action, to continue to grow. And this is kind of an interesting, um, factoid, which this is why I'm, I, I'm going to apologize. Last week, I got to talk to our uh, sales organization that covers education and local government and, uh, Local government, our first client uh, signed on August 31st, 2002. So they're still with us and they're getting their 19th renewal invoice uh, this, this year. Uh, the next factoid that's interesting is 
School Dude, which was the, the start of all of this incredible journey that we're on, uh, they added their first client in Rhode Island uh, is July 1st, 2001. And from July 1st, 2001 to December 31st, 2001, our first uh, year of selling our work order maintenance, we added 44 logos to that school in Rhode Island. So we had 44, 45 clients total in the year 2001 that started us. All of them are still with us today. They're all receiving their 20th renewal anniversary um, with us. And sharing that story with you is, is powerful to me. Mm -hmm. But it, what it tells me is we're doing something right because the loyalty that you get from clients 20 years in, in technology, to anything. I haven't had the same landscape company to help me out for 20 years. Like nothing. Like there's no, nothing I could think of. Um, my car, the, the cars I buy, 2007, I started buying them from Bourne's Auto. Free plug right there, 13 years. They do a great job. You know? so, but there's, there's nothing. My car insurance, that's what I've had since I was 16. Oh, yeah. Morse insurance, that's it. But I can't think of anything that I've had for 20 years. And I would guess, and you have the history with WorkSub, but I know the dude doesn't invest in companies that don't have incredible retention and renewal rates. And I bet if you pulled it, I bet a lot of your first clients we still have today. Um, we do. We do. Even before the works, uh, we had clients on client server systems and we built migration tools to migrate them. So some clients that are 20 plus years I mean, with us, like just following along. Um, and it's because that we're, we're listening, yeah. you know, and we're, we're trying to innovate around their ideas. Um, and now we have more capabilities now to do that, to, to listen in different ways and to watch how people behave. Um, one thing we were talking about before getting on here is is sort of one way that we can observe clients and, and figure out how they're, they're working is uh, we have a tool called Pendo um, and there's another plug for you. Um, so Pendo is a, <laughs> think of it like a user engagement app. It's one of the things that inside the Workshop or other products that we use where we can pop up guides and contextual help to say, okay, here's something new, here's a new feature, here's how you use it. Uh, but it also tracks what people are clicking on, what pages they're visiting, all sorts of stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm. And we sort of will marry that data to something that we call, it's a common paradigm in, in software world called a happy path. So it's the path that you expect users to take through software. Mm -hmm. And if you're an engineer, you never diverge from that because you don't want to know what lies beyond the happy path. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's like if, you, if you're Amazon, it's search for a product, click a product, scroll through photos, click buy, check out. That's the happy path. Mm -hmm. Anything that goes beyond that happy path, especially if it's done frequently, usually to us means a user's innovating. So they're using your product in a way that we didn't anticipate. And usually it's how they like it. Mm -hmm. This is, I'm, I'm taking these steps because this solves a problem uh, that wasn't baked into the solution to begin with. Um, and we've done some, some looking at, you know, when you get into an area that you want to refactor or change or enhance in your system and you look at how people are using it, then you look at all this crazy data saying, how are these people, what are they doing? Like this is, you're not on the happy path. You're deep into the, the sad path over here. So let's talk to them and figure out what's going on. Um, and Sarma and Braden have been on some calls like that recently where we're looking at things and uh, maybe you can talk a bit about that experience, you guys. Uh yeah, it's, it's funny when you start, you know, when you really start trying to figure out what clients are doing. I mean, Saramad had this, we had a client actually send us a video that we told over, like, 
how is this problem getting and come to find out like you hear in the background like this faint double click and we're like there it is <laughs> there is the moment but it's that relentless goal of driving toward wanting to find that solution of wanting to know like what is that client really trying to do and where are they diverting and so it's like finding that double click and it's one of those things we could have just glossed over and kind of ignored but we kind of like uh, it kind of became an obsession for us to figure out what this client was doing and how they were getting so many so many mouse clicks. And it was like this great aha moment of like hearing the double click in the background and going, there it is. Why does everyone double click? Yep. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's usually because they're, tr they're trying to do something that they you didn't design for. Mm -hmm. Sorry, go ahead, Sarman. Yeah, I was going to say, and really the reason why they, they're diverting from the happy path is because it's something that they need. Uh, and something that they want and something that they want to see and there's no other way to do it other than going into the nitty-gritty of the app um, so it's something we could have missed uh, on the product team that we need to do um, or something that we didn't think about when we designed that feature or that product so it's really a, an amazing experience to listen to how these clients do their work every day and it's a better experience trying to solve this problem for them and make their lives easier overall um, make their work life simpler um, so then they can focus on other stuff rather than how to get around the software and divert from the software into other stuff um, but that's that's really the idea here it's because they divert because they need it and they need it because it's not available on the app and we need something that we missed and we need to look at it and dig into it. Uh, there's a ton of opportunity. Once you give someone tools, they'll, they'll have at it and they'll, they'll show you what, what you need to do next. Yeah, I love the fact that you guys are leveraging tools, but you're also tying that human aspect into it. I love seeing, you know, Braden, you know, a client, you know, here with us, the first podcast host, uh, the Papa dude, Bob Bittner. Uh, he was our first client that came on as a, as a team member after he retired uh, from the school district he worked at. And that's happened a number of times over the course of our career. And that's one of those great, that's one of those great ahas that you just like our clients that we serve that have been helping us grow and, and providing us with the income to, to do the things that we do are so passionate about what we do that they'd leave their career that they have for an mm -hmm. opportunity to expand and help the world um, and get off their island. Right, Braden? Get off that island. You're not on the island now, so <laughs> I can now say it. Uh, no. but, but, but that's really cool. <laughs> well, that's one of the really interesting things about serving a highly regulated healthcare market is there, there is some really common problems to solve. Uh, and it's interesting when you start digging into these hospitals, like just how in how deep the work sub goes into, into clinical operations and keeping people safe and managing air, water and electricity in operating rooms and ICUs. And uh, it's really cool to see the way that some of these hospitals are doing some absolutely incredible work and to be uh, to work with clients as they go through that process of from implementation to their go live mm -hmm. and getting to see those ticket times getting reduced, getting to see. Uh, those incredible PM completion rates and really getting to see the software out in the wild, making you know the patient experience better, safer, faster, more efficient uh, is really, it's really cool. Um, 
Uh, and it's it's a great it's a great it's a great challenge some days when we, we get some of the ideas we get from clients and we're just like, what do you mean? And then you hear that from another client, you're like, all right, they're in cahoots now. We are now being manipulated by clients. They know we're listening. Uh, and so then you know in the idea portal, it's fun to like weave a couple ideas together to be like, oh, this is what they're trying to do. Because uh, you want a problem that everyone shares around, you know compliance or water or air or kind of these common themes. So it's always, it's always fun to weave those client, um, those disconnected clients together into a, a common solution. Well, I got to tell you guys, uh, first podcast, first time I've done it with multiple people on here and, and you guys knocked it out of the park. You guys are all naturals. I'd love to have you back again. Uh, Cause I think we could do a couple of different episodes on the things that you do see and, and work on and also give some insight on the, on the company, uh, the things that we do every day. So um, any closing words, anything that I missed? I think I, I tried to cover all the bases on things we talked about and, and thought about. Josh, the way you took that island analogy and, and drove it all the way back to Martha's Vineyard, man, you're a pro. That was, that was amazing. I just, uh, I don't know, just, I don't know, I don't know where that one came from. Sarmad was laughing, so I knew I, I knew I crushed it. As long as he's yeah. laughing, I'm good, you know? That so, was a good one. Um, no, appreciate all your hard work, guys. Uh, honestly, the, the connection that you put, like you said in the beginning, um, having to work with basically every department to to move the move the bar forward for us and continue to uh, to grow and expand and, and and to get our clients to sign their 20th and 21st and 22nd renewal big big props to you guys because you do a ton of work behind the scenes uh, day in and day out so appreciate you for uh, for all that you're doing and for giving me your time today to to share with the world kind of what you what your day looks like yeah here's thanks Josh Thank you guys. And that will do it for this episode of Operate Intelligently. It has been a uh, long and crazy 2020. Uh, I, I can't say how amazing uh, our clients have been through the course of all of uh, 2020. And uh, I hope that at this time, uh, lots of our clients are getting ready to go back to school at some capacity. Our healthcare uh, systems have just been inundated and busy as, uh, with nonstop uh, efforts being made. Our local government has had to uh, retool, revise, and, and, and implement all sorts of new, new programs and processes. Our manufacturing clients have had to try to keep those supply chains going and try to get caught up after having to be closed. Uh, you guys have done a phenomenal job. I hope that you take a moment at some point here in the near future and celebrate your success. And uh, you've done an amazing job. You, are, you truly are our unsung heroes. Um, and if you think about March 16th and having to make all of the pivots and shifts you've had to do and to be where you are today, not all successes, but the sure as heck aren't any fails in there because you've tried and you've worked and you've stayed resilient. So keep doing what you're doing. We're going to keep bringing these episodes to you. Uh, we appreciate you and the dudes beside you. So make it a great day. Thanks for listening to the Operate Intelligently podcast produced by Dude Solutions. You can reach us by emailing dspodcast at dudesolutions.com or check us out on the web at dudesolutions.com.